This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at MedEdMedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the short code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. With me in the SCP studio are rising M2s, Levi Endelman. Hey. Isaac Schwantis. You got it. Nice job. Hi, man. Hillary O'Brien. Hi there. And Jason Lewis. Not a rising. Not a rising <laughs> M1. Not but at our, all. our uh, so-called executive producer uh, who gives us, you know, occasionally says, here, Dave, you can spend some money. Yeah. And <laughs> offers, offers encouragement. and I do. Mm-hmm. I, I try to offer all kinds of encouragement. Uh, John Panta was supposed to join us today. <laughs> Don't know what happened to him, but he, you know, he's got a new life. He graduated. He graduated. He may still saunter in, but <laughs> we, who, who knows? Uh, thank you for coming today, especially since for most of you, summer has officially begun. You could be off, you know, gallivanting around the, the country or the world. Kylie's in uh, Seattle, I hear, or yeah. at least the Northwest, right? Her snap stories are pretty great. Yeah. Can you gallivant in Seattle? Uh, why not? I mean, she's doing it. She's so. doing it. She's okay. hanging out with bridge trolls, and she was at Snoqualmie Falls, she's which a, yeah, she's hitting a lot of wineries on her way too. Yeah, I see. Okay, which, then. if you're if you're like me, you remember Snoqualmie Falls from the Twin Peaks, uh, the show Twin Peaks in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you know, brand new Twin Peaks. I've started watching the new Twin Peaks. I have anybody else? No, no. you guys. No. I never watched the whole first series. Oh man! So you're missing out. I, I, Look, I, I got three episodes in, and I was like, man, I don't know. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> that disgust was very just like, <laughs> You're an idiot. No, I. <laughs> That's entirely possible. It's a it's it's a it's an amazing show, um, if only because. It should never have aired in the first place. <laughs> it was uh, when everybody was asleep. Yeah, I know. But it, uh, anyway, yeah. So I started listening, watching the new show, and and I'm not sure. It's definitely as weird, but I'm not sure how, how well it's going. So start with the 90s version. That's what I'm saying. If you want to go back and watch. Hey, uh, I got some listener feedback from uh, Mike, who took the time to post a comment on our website theshortcode.com, and on our Facebook page as well. Uh, he says he's been working his way through from the humble beginnings of our show uh, and liked what he heard, but he hit a roadblock at episode 107. It's about 73 episodes ago. Uh, <laughs> in which we spoke of several topics, including uh, potentially fraudulent research, physicians banding together to try to convince Congress to free up funds for public health research on gun violence, some other stuff, Yahoo Answers. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's hear from Mike. This episode is very polarizing to the point that it is probably offensive to anyone who does not wholeheartedly agree with the viewpoints expressed within the podcast. I would find it hard to listen to further episodes without being ready to skip forward several minutes or to the next episode. It is unfair to absolutely judge a person's next words solely on the ones already spoken, but I'm not sure that I wouldn't. 
I don't think the podcast should change their format or personnel based on one opinion, least of all mine. However, I thought that if I was going to stop listening and stop promoting the podcasts to other pre-meds, it is only fair to make my complaint to the source first. First of all, thank you, Mike, for your notes. Uh, despite the fact that uh, Mike's feedback is essentially negative, it is important that you, listeners, uh, it's important to us that you talk to us about what you uh, dislike about the show. It's the only way we can do better. Know what I'm saying? That's assuming that we didn't do well to begin with. Well, <laughs> yeah. Nobody's uh, perfect. So Jason uh, was was uh, was actually on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, so was uh, that was also John Pienta, Corbin Weaver, and Casey. I think Casey. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, a motley crew, if they're ever bunch, <laughs> bunch of, uh, you know, and I was and I was uh, Skyping in from New York City on that show. Um, definitely a bunch of liberals. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mike didn't say specifically what he was upset about. Um, he just said that, you know, the show pissed him off. Right. Uh, so it's hard to discuss his comments because the feedback wasn't specific enough. Maybe we can assume he's talking about our discussion of gun violence since that seems to be a pretty polarizing uh, topic in general if that's the case uh you know I, I, the problem is basically mike has given us uh you know it's, it has is leading me to think that he doesn't want us to be offensive in our discussions um well I kind of want to talk about what the definition of offensive is. If the definition of offensive is something completely to the opposite of your own opinion, mm. then a lot of things are going to be offensive. Yes. However, I, in my recollection of that episode, I felt that we were all sort of promoting our own opinions. However, in the interest of journalism, trying to be as cognizant of <laughs> differing opinions as we could. And so, I mean, I would encourage Mike to, you know, sort of interrogate his own reasons for being offended by the material and how he might respond to it um, instead of, instead of, I guess, stopping at the first moment that he was uh, in, a, in disagreement. Right. Yeah, I mean, we had uh, roughly... Uh... <laughs> 70, 70 or so episodes after that to, to offend him, you know? Yeah. yeah. We could have... I'm kind of surprised he got to 107 before Same. being offended. <laughs> uh, Isaac, before the show, calculated that's roughly... 3.4 days of your life. <laughs> yeah. I, I admire his... Uh, commitment. The, the amount of time that he has to, to dedicate to podcast listening. I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. Maybe he has a long commute. I don't know. It could also be the sound quality of that episode is pretty. I don't have no idea why, but it was pretty abysmal, and, and so maybe he was maybe that just grated on his nerves enough that he was like, "I hate these people," and and, uh, and their opinions. Yes, and their opinions that don't agree with with uh, with other opinions. But you're right. I mean, since he wasn't specific about what actually offended him, yeah, it's difficult to respond to his criticism. In my response, uh, I did say, you know, listeners, and I say this to you now, listeners, if you if you do have uh, things you want to share with us, uh, and you and you and especially if you're going to critique us, um, go ahead and and share those thoughts. Uh, but definitely be specific. 
because otherwise it's hard to hard to judge what exactly you you want from us. And uh, definitely leave us a message at three four seven short CT so that I don't have to run you through a text to speech. <laughs> Uh, program and choose the most obnoxious voice that I can. Uh, that was obnoxious. It was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm interested, though, just to talk about this a little bit more in terms of you guys and and your experiences. I mean, false consensus bias is often something that we run into, especially in the in the internet media mm. place. So. <laughs> I mean, it seems like it seems like. The difference between offensive and opposite is is somehow being conflated as the same. What are, what are you guys' yeah. thoughts? I mean, that's it. Definitely seems to be blurred in the public opinion sometimes that people are like, oh, you have this stark contrast of what I believe or whatever, and then therefore I am offended by that. I don't think I, I agree with you. That's not the same as being offensive, right? If I can say I disagree with you wholeheartedly about this. That doesn't mean I'm attacking you as a person. Right. I think people sometimes misconstrue that and say, oh, no, this person's attacking me because of this. It's like, no, I don't have a problem with who you are. I just have an issue with maybe this one subset of things that you might agree with or disagree with. Yeah. I think a lot of it, too, has to do with sometimes how how strongly differing opinions are presented to, to one another. So like, you know, people having a, a civil argument of, you know, A versus B versus something just devolving into absolute name calling and slandering, you know, that, that I think that's where offense can come in, but it's born from uh, a philosophical difference of opinion. Right. Yeah. I, if I recall in that episode, we talked a lot about, at least from my perspective, if it was about the gun violence and the research, I grew up in a gun culture where I, you know, guns were something that were, were prevalent in my life and I learned how to use them and I went hunting and I did those kinds of things. But it's not impossible for me to also hold the opinion that some aspects of gun law could be subject to some beneficial changes. I can I can I can have both things exist in my life and it not be contrary. It could also be the comment you made about ugly people, Jason. <laughs> I hate them. Yes. <laughs> See, that's offensive. <laughs> I just thought I'd give an object lesson. There you go. Yeah. Nice. I hate ugly people. I don't really know that he made a comment about ugly people. I did. Just We're in case that wasn't so. that wasn't obvious. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, well, good. Thank you, Mike, again. Um, Hey, let's talk about some some. Oh, John Pianta has joined us. There he is. I I, I was gonna interject here. Um, okay. No discussion is 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 can be had without calling someone a snowflake for being offended. Okay, yeah. we could have gone there. Did did we go there? That, we didn't go there. I missed that. Okay, that that might border on the offensive. Yeah, that, that <laughs> would be that. Yeah. <laughs> just thought I would weigh in there. Yes, yeah. thank you for that. Just a, thim a thimble full of snow. You've you know? you've, uh, you've graduated now, so. <laughs> I never knew that John has a a, a tattoo of the um, arrival, uh, the the arrival uh, movie mo uh, alien script on his uh, shoulder. And a very bright red. Is that what is that what that is, John? Uh, it is not. Oh, <laughs> what is it? Um, it is a Buddhist symbol um, called Enso. It's like the. It's funny because you look in the literature and it really stands for just about anything. 
uh, which is great. You know, that fits me very well. Uh, but it's the idea is you you try to paint a perfect circle with a single brush stroke um, and whatever Fail. comes out uh, <laughs> is in inherently going to be imperfect. Fail. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. I mean, you, there's no such thing. as. And a then you circle. deal with it. Yeah. Then you deal with your failure. Yeah. The, the the imperfectness of life is inherent to its value. God, we're so deep. <laughs> And and I figured, you know, I had to go uh, get a tattoo that can't be covered up by short sleeves, but oh, it was probably yeah. not offensive, you know, before I started my residency. Yeah. Well, you'll be wearing rolled up. You'll you'll roll up your sleeves. You're going to be a rolled up sleeve kind of guy like I am. I'm, I'm going to be a, you know, wears scrubs and doesn't really have sleeves kind of guy. Right. Hey, uh, there's some stuff in the news I want to talk about. Um, Finland, 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 the country where I want to be. Anybody? I have no idea what. No idea from. what you're doing nope. there. That Python. was embarrassing for you. Monty Python reference. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in that great country, new parents are given a cardboard box filled with baby stuff, and the box—it's not just a container of baby stuff. It's intended to be used for the baby to sleep in. Um, it's used as a baby bed and perhaps because infant mortality is low in Finland about two and a half deaths per thousand live births according to the CIA fact book world fact book um, in, in 2016 America is jumping on the baby box bed bandwagon wow say that again I, you know what I wrote that down without even thinking about it <laughs> uh, America has an infant mortality rate of 5.8 deaths per Ooh. thousand live births uh, so we're about um, I think we're about two Twice. thirds of the way down the uh, the list of you know with the, with the 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 G seven the no the the, the people with with uh, really bad birth rates at the top okay. and basically so like the entire fiddling world, near the bottom yeah okay so we're Not kind of like, like the, the Milwaukee Brewers of infant mortality that's <laughs> just what I was gonna sure. say sport another sports reference goes right <laughs> over Dave's head unless you were talking about beer. Uh, no, no, no. So yeah, America, uh, America has, is jumping on this uh, because you know, for instance, New Jersey plans to distribute 105,000 boxes this year. Ohio, 140,000 boxes. Alabama, 60,000 boxes. Texas, 400,000 boxes. This is part of an effort to um, promote good sleeping practices in the U.S. Uh, that won't kill your baby, including parents not co-sleeping with very young infants and rolling over on them and making sure that babies go to sleep on their back and all that kind of stuff. Don't forget about tummy time. Babies need tummy time. They, they, they do, but Otherwise not in bed. Flat head. Not in bed. Uh, the problem is there's no data to support the idea that baby boxes are going to be helpful at reducing infant mortality in the United States because our biggest problem is, John, care to guess? Anybody care to guess what our biggest problem is? Infant mortality-wise, John, you've got the most years in this, in this game. That that means that I just know enough to be dangerous. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Come on, John. You know, probably vaccine-preventable illnesses. Well, okay. I don't think that's it. Pre prenatal care is our biggest problem in the U.S. We uh -huh. we have difficulties with prenatal care that that Finland doesn't have. And also, our biggest, another big problem is uh, preterm birth, which you know, a cardboard box won't 
and is maybe directly it's not going to help you. It's not going to happen. Prenatal care. Now, Dave, let me ask you this: What kind of healthcare system does Finland have? I believe that's a single payer. Oh, really? Healthcare system. Actually, every other flaming liberals, every other industrialized country does this in some way or another. So and here comes the polarization, folks. <laughs> Hang on. I don't want to make any sort of baby with the bathwater references. <laughs> no, no. But I think maybe if we took care of the babies before they were in the bathtub or in the box or in the box, mm-hmm. um, then we would be well on our way to solving the problems. But if we can say, oh, we give them boxes, and and that is per, uh, somehow preventative care, it sounds somewhat ridiculous and halfway thought through. Well, me. I mean, maybe they're trying to, and I don't know, but maybe they're trying to, uh, you know, address the the address the situation where parents might co-sleep because they don't have any alternative because they are um, in a, in a socioeconomic situation where they can't afford, you know, a bed or, you know, a separate bed or all that kind of stuff. So I guess that is something that this could address. So are there any qualifications for getting these boxes? Like, I, I who did, are these boxes going I, to? I did, did, the article I read didn't say, and of course I didn't research deeply enough. And like, do we know Because I never do that. Them? Uh, what? Where's the money coming from? All the defunded money from Planned Parenthood. Actually, that's all going to somebody's yacht. Nice. <laughs> um, nice. So I guess maybe maybe I, I missed something here. What are we talking about when you say boxes? Because I'm, I'm just envisioning like a, an Amazon cardboard shipping box. Uh, that that's what I'm envisioning too. I think okay. It's pretty much that. that that is exactly what it is. So okay. well, maybe not exactly, but almost <laughs> exactly what it is. So it looks like a banker's box, and it's a sturdy cardboard box, uh, and uh, they often have like a tight fitted sheet or something that goes on like the bottom liner layer yes. of the box. The box has a has a mattressy thing. Oh. Yeah. Thank you know? Okay. We're looking at a picture right now which Dave will dutifully put on the website for your viewing pleasure. Oh will he <laughs> just Google baby box bed. Yeah. We love okay. to commit Dave to more work. Just like when I say fuck right here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Here, or not I'll do, half the, I'll do half the work for you <laughs> thank you um, yeah I mean it's just cut and paste it's cut and paste it's probably uh, you know it's it's probably and it, it looks like an attractive box as as boxes go I mean the other thing is you know are these are these uh, there's no there's nothing that says that these boxes are are uh you know, special cre- created special for babies, so there might be you know chemicals in them and all that kind of here's, stuff. Okay, so here's an idea. What? What? I think that most people, especially uh, most people, have access to boxes. Yes. Right. Yeah. But you know what? People who are uh, or of lower socioeconomic status don't have. What's that? Food. <laughs> right. Uh, the ability to take prenatal vitamins. Mm-hmm. Uh, the access to health care mm-hmm. necessary for a healthy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I think we could solve that problem. Maybe leave the box to the people after the fact. Yeah, perhaps if all that stuff was delivered in a box. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. If the <laughs> box came with all the other stuff that they needed, uh, then the box would be useful. Yes. Well, 
It's just a thought. I've I've, I've had my kids sleep in a in a in a dresser drawer when we're on uh, when we're on a trip. You know, at first when we went on a trip, we would carry around the pack and play. Mm-hmm. which is a giant metal Awful. did i talk about this before i don't know but but i can totally identify with the sort of the let's call it degradation of standards so like for your first child for your first child the pacifier drops on the ground and you're like oh we're gonna use the backup pacifier because that's dirty yeah um and now I just brush it right off. Yeah, and the second one you're like, <laughs> yep. Here, yep. Here we I go. Licked it, I licked it. It's clean. Um, <clears throat> well, unless it hits like the hospital floor, because uh, you don't yeah. want to put that in your mouth. All bets but, are off. Or it lands. It actually lands mm. in a pile of dog poo. Mm. Yeah, that's where we. Like, that's where we parents draw yeah. the line. I usually lick that off too. <laughs> yeah, drop it on the hospital floor and just say here. Have some MRSA. <laughs> that's why you. That's why you have an immune system. We're building character here. Uh, yeah. Good. No. We. I mean, we. The, the 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 pack and play is a stupid idea. Don't you know? Like, I mean, it's nice. It, it, it's it's nice. It's like a self-contained thing where your baby can crawl around in and be safe. Uh, don't take it with you on a on it, a trip. It's a soft-sided baby prison. Put your <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but the the reality is, who's in the cage? Are they in the cage or are you in the cage? In the in reference to I don't know Buddha. infants and parenthood, you are in the cage. Yeah. Oh yes, oh yes. That's it's it's a very good symbol for parenthood. Yes, oh. yeah. I, I think the pack and play was actually designed and sold with the ulterior motive of making parents look like idiots. Yeah, especially when you're trying to put it on a flight. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And you got to do the special check in. Yeah. Right at the door of the airplane. Yeah. Everybody's looking at you because you're up the line. Everybody hates you. Then, yes. it, then you set it up in the seat next to you just to <laughs> take the person off. And then you get kicked off your flight. Most people. Then you get punched in the face and dragged off your flight. Yeah, yeah United. That's a modern problem. That's yeah. a more recent problem. Than... Air, air travel used to be so much less pugilistic. Yeah, yeah and, and classier. Yeah. Like my, my uh, uncle would do a lot of flying back in the 70s and... And 60s and he said you know everyone would like wear suits and you know you had to plaid had to suits, dress up plaid they're suits. plaid but <laughs> yeah, yeah ladies wore those long gloves that like go up to your elbows for some reason yeah. i don't no, know thank you <laughs> do you re- I, I mean i'm not saying <laughs> that we need to go back to that but i'm just saying like it's a di- it was a different time do you would you ever wear long gloves up to your like just to make a fashion that- statement or something like that no, no, never. That's I'm just not, not that a type thing. of person. Guys, short coat themed long gloves <laughs> to make America great again. Merch. Yes. Can they be red? Yeah. They could be whatever color okay. you want. You know what they could Except be? They rainbow. could be they could be uh red as though they were bloody up to a certain point and then they would be white. See, right Ideal. now I have I have a picture in my mind of like the long rubber gloves that veterinarians wear to help birth cows. That's mm. what I'm thinking. I'm from a farm in rural North Iowa. Sorry. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, Jesus. I think they use those a lot too when they put the like hole in the side of the cow to like go into their digestive system. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What's that called? That's Room called. Rumenotomies. Yeah. Go. Yes. God, the Iowans are stepping up with the <laughs> Iowa knowledge. I'm not even, I, I guess I've been here for 13 you years. Mean, we're so, you know, honorary Iowan. Yeah. Honorary. Is it, is it a room? Ruminotomy or ruminostomy? Maybe what? one than the other. You guys, <laughs> I think that's correct. Yeah, it's it's an otomy before it's an ostomy. People are learning things on this show. I still oh, don't know the what time. the heck that means. 
they 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 put a hole in it. Put a hole in it so that they can channel through it. They put a hole in the side of the cow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna so I'm gonna I'm gonna give this definition. We'll see if I'm right because I'm not sure. But they put a hole in the side of the cow so that they can reach in there and extract some rennet every once in a while, or you know, make some cheese. I don't think that's <laughs> so. It's, it's more to study their uh, what, like how their digestive tract yes. processes processes food. And that's so not on. how they get cheese. What John was talking about the the otomy is the process of making the hole, and the ostomy is the hole. Oh, I see. I had a, I knew that the otomy meant making the hole. I didn't know how it turned into an ostomy. There you go. Now we know. More learning. More learning. It's it's a t- it's a topology. Mike, thing. see what you missed, now. Mike. <laughs> The internet's the internet's yeah. mic has missed all of this. Yes, Mike, if you're not listening, you're missing out. Yeah, he'll find out another sixty hours later. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. If I was invested that many hours in my life, I'd have to just finish it at that point. I'd just like, I have to just to get through all these, then I can be done with it. But I <laughs> then I can then I can get it over with. I will say that there are certain podcasts that I've listened to a lot of episodes of, and then eventually I just can't stand to listen to the voices of the of the hosts anymore. Like uh, any any particular ones you want to yes call out? No. Oh, <laughs> I, I will actually because yeah. I don't care. Uh, stuff you missed in history class? Okay. They had different hosts when I first started listening, and they were fine. And then they got new hosts a couple of years ago, and. It just wasn't the same anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, very, very like sort of post nasally mm. voice sounds, which. Ugh. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I hope we didn't offend anybody with that. <laughs> Lost another listener. I'm, I'm offended. Lost another. <laughs> Sorry, that's John. What, that's what my voice sounds like. You're li- you're leaving anyway. You guys, quick. This is a pop quiz. Okay. Oh boy. I'm gonna fail. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna ask you because you're probably the only one who. I didn't already Great. share this with. Great. Which has the more sensitive nose, the dog or the human? Mm. More sensitive is different than like overall scope of scent, right? Can you just answer the damn question? <laughs> I had the same thought that I'm because I don't know the answer. Just like, I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say because it's counter to my intuition, the human. Well, a new analysis from Rutgers says that that might be true. This is, but that the that the human, that so there's this idea that the human nose sucks in comparison to the dog nose at like smelling things. Uh, but that's always been an untested hypothesis. That's um, rodents and dogs have always assumed to have much more sensitive noses. I didn't know about the rodents, but um, the human olfactory bulb is actually pretty large. Uh, compared to that of other animals. It contains a similar number of neurons to that of other animals, um, according to this uh, study. And other mammals, excuse me. Um, who is responsible for this idea that that humans don't smell so good? Who? Deodorant companies? Paul Bro- or Paul Broca. Everybody knows. Everybody's wow. favorite neuro- yeah. neuroanatomist, Paul Broca. Uh, every uh, Broca believed that our large frontal lobes gave humans the capacity for free will at the expense of microsmati, microsmati, microsmati. <laughs> it's I one like of those. the last one. <laughs> microsmati, which is Latin. Sounds like a pirate. <laughs> Latin for tiny smell. I see. Yeah. So it it it's possible that we and in fact uh, Sigmund Freud noticed 
uh, a connection between olfaction and uh, mental illness. People with some mental illnesses appear to have worse senses of smell. Um, and because of Broca's hypothesis, he felt that this contributed to people's susceptibility for mental illness. So it was a cause and not an effect. Um, and there are some degenerative diseases like Parkinson's where impaired olfaction is actually uh, a symptom. Also, uh, meningiomas of the olfactory groove. That will definitely cause you to lose your sense of smell. I don't like the sounds of that. And then you lose your ability to see. Yeah. Uh, and I worked with a doc who diagnosed two of them based on that one question alone. When was the last time you smelled something? And They're like, oh, uh, I guess it's been a couple of years. What? <laughs> well, they're starting to go blind. So, I mean, it wasn't okay, just okay, that okay, one yeah. question. So it was but... the blindness that brought them in, probably. Yeah, but that's how he clinched the diagnosis, was that hmm. one question. I feel like if I lost my sense of smell, my first stop after I realized it would be, well, could they not have realized it? Uh, these are, you know, Patients old, are weird. pretty stoic Iowa farmers. Yeah, they're like, well, I lost my sense of smell. I guess I'll just keep going on with my life. My dad lost his sense of smell. Yeah. He fell. He worked in a power plant. And he there was an explosion, and he fell like three stories and lost his sense of smell after that. Huh. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, maybe sheared the neurons. The way the olfactory bulb sits in there, that all of your projections go through. Yeah. If you like shake your head really fast, or if you get a concussion, you can actually shear them. That you might, lose your that smell. Might have been it. If you shake your head really fast. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's velocity <laughs> changes, large velocity okay. changes. Big impulses. So if I just go like this, it's not gonna. Probably not. Okay, I'm I'm glad because I've done that before, and <laughs> who knows how many neurons I've lost. But like do dogs shake their heads like that all the time, and That's they seem true. to be fine, right? You know what I found out though? A lot of this animal shaking has has to do with. <laughs> no, seriously. Have what, you... what, what animal shaking? Have you ever seen an animal like? Okay, so small dogs are a good example where they're like shivering. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a, a, a physiological way that they relieve stress. Oh. So. So it's good. For yeah. Them. There's, there's actually a, a video on the internet called Trauma Bear. And it's showing a polar bear that's been tranquilized for tagging purposes. Uh -huh. And as it starts to wake up, it's not awake yet, but it's sort of aware that it's in a compromised position. Mm -hmm. It starts like convulsing. Mm -hmm. And studies have shown that that's... Uh, a stress relief technique that animals used, but hmm. humans have normalized out of their behavior. Hmm. And that's why humans suffer as much from stress and anxiety as they do. If. <laughs> the office seat lobby. The office seat lobby is in charge of this. I'm just yeah. imagining. We're all sitting, we've all been neutered of our ability to de-stress ourselves i'm just imagining the you know test day at medical school where everybody like the whole room there's the rustle of fabric as everybody's like shaking like a chihuahua but then they would do so much better on the test i know but we we intuitively know this right because like if you think about it you know that's that fight or flight response and you ask people like does you know exercise or dancing or things like that make you feel better and the response is usually yeah it does right and they finally figured it out um, by injecting, I think it was monkeys with um, rabies virus that had green fluorescent protein in it. And because the virus traverses retrograde to the nervous system at a predictable rate, they could sacrifice the monkeys at different times and figure out where it had traveled, right? And so 
they found some neurons that go feed back into the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis or the whole sort of fight or flight system mm -hmm. and they're inhibitory so it's really like and that most of them come from your core muscles so it's it's like those you know running really does you know you like look at a duck or something like at the you know ducks on the river they like fight with each other and then they like you know who wins or whatever is determined and then then they like both do this shake off thing where they sort of flip around you know flap their wings a bunch and then they kind of swim off like nothing happened here's my question about problem ducks. solved <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was i was i was wondering like how ducks played into this whole thing here's my question about ducks you know okay so you go down to the to the duck pond and you watch the and you feed the ducks right and the ducks are all wandering around they're going ring, 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 ring. That's a good imitation. What is that for? I've my theory is that it's just basically them saying, "I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive." <laughs> it's like it's like some sort of like mechanism to tell all the other ducks that I'm over here, that I'm still here. But do they go into existential crisis if they stop? I don't know. Like I no longer exist. I'm it's, not making that. Sound. I feel like it's an automatic status message. I, I do remember that some of like some of the little grunting noises, I guess if you call it grunting that they sometimes make, is somewhat of a feeding call. Mm -hmm. So like they're like there's food nearby. Uh, because I know when you know, coming from a duck hunting family, uh, that was one of the uh, the calls that they would use to bring bring ducks uh -huh. in for us to shoot um was uh, they, and they they always called it a feeding call such guilt in your to shoot yeah it's okay it's the circle of life dude. yeah yeah it's an imperfect circle it's okay <laughs> it's a delicious circle Del guys uh, oh let's 100 percent agree speaking speaking of bringing this full circle so Were the, we? let's watch let's watch Were let's we? watch watch my gears work here so <laughs> they found that being in space on the space shuttle in microgravity <laughs> i think we're in a different circle now just wait just wait All right. so being in microgravity it reduces the ability for your your sinuses to pull the fluid off mm -hmm. because it comes down through gravity mm -hmm. and so they swell and you lose your sense of smell and subsequently your sense of taste mm -hmm. and astronauts then you know find food to get rather boring um and boring food is uh you know can make people depressed and so uh if you want people to travel long distances in space you have to find a way to make the food not boring and so they use duck fat because apparently even if you still can't smell you can taste duck fat oh boom you did perfect bring... circle wow. did... <laughs> i thought you were gonna go to tang what like, we... that's why they created tang <laughs> and they have a pen that can write upside down and underwater and they spent a gajillion trillion dollars on it and hey government money spent well let's go back to the <laughs> it's all lies let's go back to the dog or human sense of smell well that's where we started we isn't it it that. is let's bring let's do that and bring that back circle full circle i'm still caught on this whole amazon prime box and having a oh. conversation where do babies come from amazon drones amazon drones they have yeah. a, a, a drone called the stork. the stork it's probably an acronym we don't know what it means but you know, maybe, everything's an acronym now. Maybe this is a way that the post office could become relevant again. Oh, you know, get, use those uh, those 
priority mailboxes. Mm-hmm. Just, you know. Just give them to parents. Exactly. I mean, okay. I saw nine. They're selling these boxes for like $70 empty. Oh. Yeah. Hang on, yeah. hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so you go and buy a baby box specifically for... Well, like I just Googled like the New York Times article about it and they said just the box, the baby box is $70. But if you want the baby box filled with stuff, it was like 200 some dollars. So can I take my Amazon shipping box, cover it in like some really nice looking Christmas wrapping paper, maybe put a little bit of padding in the bottom of it and flip these boxes for $70? I don't know about the wrapping paper. That seems you can't wash wrapping paper. Think about how comfy those like air pouches, those packing air pouches Mm -hmm. would be though. Mm -hmm. I mean, just put a layer of those in there. No, but the point is it's not supposed to be comfortable. You want your infant to be uncomfortable. Like you could put a bed of nails in there maybe. <laughs> and then um, then they won't be comfortable and won't suffocate, I guess. Yeah. I would just, you know, instead of wrapping paper, I might just use like, uh, what do they call that? Uh, that rubber, that spray rubber. Do you know? <laughs> oh, no. You mean Flex Seal? Yeah. <laughs> Because it will be easy to clean. Flex Seal. Yeah. yeah. Another market for Flex Seal. Not only can you put a screen door on the bottom of your boat <laughs> and which, still have a float. Which, can we talk about that for a second? About, Why would you want to do that? Why the hell not? <laughs> Why would you want to do that? Object oh, lesson. Oh, by the way, be careful with looking for Flex Seal on the internet. Because if you accidentally <laughs> find Flexi Seal, a Flexi Seal, mm, you've okay. gone too far. Okay. Is that like a Don't Google that. Is that like a sexual thing? No, no, it's a um we'll call it a like a, a medical hygiene product. Oh. I see. Now oh. I gotta now I gotta Google I know I this. wanna know now. Uh, Dave, you might want to start cutting like John, you've sown the seeds ago. of curiosity. <laughs> I don't know how this is I'm, gonna go. I'm not sure we wanna go there. It's a temporary containment device indicated for bedridden or immobilized incontinent patients with liquid or semi-liquid stool. Well, like that's very different. Well, maybe you could use the Flexi Seal in the baby bed too. Wow, wow. (laughs) I probably would have. You probably should use some Flex Seal on the Flexi Seal. (laughs) I see. Yeah. Okay, that makes. That'll keep it from leaking around. Good. Good. Okay. If, next, probably not safe for skin. No. Next, next topic, Dave. Yeah. If, if you're thinking about having open heart surgery uh, soon, you might want to hold <laughs> off because there is a drug in short supply. I didn't even know it was a drug. Um, baking soda, sodium bicarbonate, bicarb, as it's known yes. in the in the biz. Uh, it's not an expensive drug. I mean, shoot, you can go down to the grocery store and get some Arm and Hammer if that's what you want. Come on, Dave. It's no, got to be sterilized, and it's got to well, pass through 18 layers of bureaucracy. Yeah, but it's still... Sweet, sweet, sweet bureaucracy. It's mm. it's still... Uh, I love the smell of bureaucracy in the morning. <laughs> but it's still something that's common and, and inexpensive. Um, without it, hospitals are postponing surgeries, and they're having to decide uh, who gets the drug and who has to do without right now. Um, you may remember, in 2014, saline was uh, in short supply and bicarb supplies were last short in 2012 so um i remember those days what do you yeah are yeah. you being serious yeah no we had okay good of bicarb in the ambulance what, what is it what is it for so you use it for exactly what you would use bicarbonate for um it's an alkaline 
and you can use it to neutralize acids. So I, that's typically so what you, it's used for. So in, if you become too acid yeah, internally. So people become acidotic in surgery because they're producing too much lactate. Uh -huh. um, and we're not like adequately oxygenating them well enough, right? So yeah, I, I used to take that. like a tablespoon or so uh, or a teaspoon or so of, of uh, baking soda, put it in water, and that was my... Uh, my acid indigestion oh, cure. Oh, I thought you were going to... No, no, it, no. no. It you you were acting so hesitant there. I thought it, it was well, going to be... It tastes quite awful. Working. Yeah, it does. It does. It really does. <laughs> cool. not, this is not recommended. I mean, it's not going to hurt you, but um, yeah. it's pretty pretty gross, especially if it's been sitting in your cabinet for a few years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like well, everyone's I'm, Absorbing how odors. how gross it tastes when you've been using it in your refrigerator. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's... I think that's where mm. we were all thinking. Mm, rotten mm. vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> There's a hint of asparagus I had three years ago in here. I think you're supposed to replace it on occasion, but, you know. Yeah. They say every 30 days, but that's just like that a 3,000 mile oil change. That's like that's, the... It's, a, it's marketing. You, yeah. you can run a car on... If you have synthetic oil, you could run a car for like 100,000 miles on synthetic oil. It's true. W one theory about uh, this shortage and all these shortages is that cheap drugs aren't profitable for suppliers and manufacturers, so they get less investment into production processes, which become less reliable. Um, which is interesting because it's kind of an area where the economics of supply and demand seem to fall apart a little bit. But I'm not an economist. Any thoughts about that? I blame Shkreli. Martin Martin <laughs> Shkreli uh, brought up the I rice. Mean, he bought Arm and Hammer. <laughs> uh, Martin Shkreli is somehow behind this. Yeah, and somebody needs to punch him in the face. I think, well, or I, whatever. That's always that been was. true. But <laughs> I. So for me, it's interesting because um, those are the kinds of things that you never actually think come from anywhere, right? Yes. <laughs> it's just like that's that's where we are these days. Like some things just exist yep. in a yellow box, right? <laughs> but. I think that uh, I think that it's interesting that something as simple as baking soda would be scarce. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like I said. The theory is that you know they're like, ah, oh, okay. Well, we're making baking soda all the time, and oh shoot, something broke on the on the special manufacturing line where everything gets sterilized, and you know, and then you get a shortage. That's vast oversimplification, I'm sure, but. And I feel all the more guilty about all the baking soda I used cleaning up acid spills in labs. Yes, <laughs> it's all you. It's it's, it's all fault, you. Levi. I kind of just let Levi, you play it on thick. Levi, the klutzy researcher. <laughs> it's <laughs> there needs to be a uh, there needs to be one of those uh, infomercials of klutzy people for researchers. Like, oh no, <laughs> you. <laughs> the people in infomercials need help. Yeah. <laughs> So my question is, okay, so the capitalist system is predicated on the law of supply and demand. Yeah. Theoretically. Theoretically. Right? But there is clearly a demand because people need this stuff. So I can't understand why there wouldn't be a profit margin to induce people to produce the supply. So that's, I mean, I think that that's, that's exactly where this gets tricky because it it's a pretty um pretty inelastic demand you you right. don't change how much you need it um from from a time to time right like there's not some thing that's going to happen where like oh we need twice as much of it 
uh, as a country, right? Your hospital might go through a bunch of it because of certain illnesses or whatever. But um, and then if you think about it, like there may be only three factories in the entire world that make all of it for the whole world. And so if one of them shuts down because they, you know, feel like it's not profitable anymore, um, then and one of them gets shut down because of, you know, issues with supply and there was, you know, contaminated units, then you're in a real uh, then you're in a real problem zone, trouble spot pickle whatever it's called <laughs> yeah having worked sure. problem zone having worked both in medical advertising and in marketing in general the the solution to this from a marketing standpoint would be make it in colors <laughs> <laughs> but i'll have the purple and make sure it's well, pink so you can charge more for women right exactly yeah. uh yeah exactly that's right and then and then um yeah, different flavors. Like make a mentholated one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, those are all the things that you could do, but I guess because medicine is so highly regulated, you can only make the generic. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's you know, it's it's bicarb. I mean, you you you, you can only do so much special <laughs> stuff to it. Well, but so another marketing solution would be do something that isn't really anything, and then call it tricarb. i think so i think you you uh unfortunately we just publicly disclosed that so we can't patent it pfizer is on the case well we have one year for a for a united states patent yeah we've already lost our international patent rights though damn pfizer is on the case oh tricarb yeah tell us more Ask your doctor about tricarb. <laughs> Is tricarb right for you? Are you are you going in for heart surgery today? Ask your doctor about tricarb. Side I, effects may be, well, let's face it, everything. So the, the, according to the article I read, uh, you know, they really are making these sort of life or death decisions over this. Like, oh, we're going to put off this open heart surgery because we don't have enough. And, and, you know, there are alternatives, but they just don't work as well. Sodium acetate, I think, was mentioned um, in the in in what I read, and um, table salt, and um, uh, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> that one works. Um, and some hospitals are compounding. Some hospitals that have compounding pharmacies are trying to make their own batches of bicarb, which is possible. But you can't just you know go get some Arm and Hammer and do it. You gotta set up a get a set up a system to make that work. It's got to be the right purity and it's got to, you know, it's got to be done sterilely and and it has to be done to the right concentration. This is one of those drugs. I mean, it's not probably the worst of the really simple sounding drugs. Like the probably the worst is calcium, yeah. where mm-hmm. if you are off by a factor of two, the patient is dead. <laughs> like uh, and so and, you know, if you so if that means sometimes that means if you added two drops instead of one <laughs> in, you know, at some step. Uh, you could be in real trouble. Would potassium do that too? Potassium, yeah, potassium will do that, but calcium is usually worse. <laughs> you don't want to go and get any of that street bicarb. <laughs> Who knows what it could be cut with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, you gotta wait. You gotta wait until, you know, what the be, good shit comes around. What yeah. would be a good street name for sodium bicarb? Bike. Bat salt. Bike. <laughs> got that bike, man. I got that bike. Who's, who wants it? You ride the bike? 
You ride, the, you ride the pink bike just for you, ladies. <laughs> I got methylated bike. Oh, we are ridiculous. You are the one who brought these topics. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, well, also, you invited me, Dave. So yeah. Well, you knew you were not going to get anything done. I'm glad you made it. What kept you, John? Fried chicken. What? I had a fried chicken date with a friend. <laughs> we we went to eat we no where'd, seriously so you, I'm leaving town for my residency and uh, and we went to Harold's Fried Chicken right when it opened like I was in line while it was raining waiting for the fried chicken store to open it was good okay I think that's worth being late for I'll, we'll allow it oh yeah we'll I don't hot, think you I mean can, hot chicken is a thing I don't think you can invoke fried chicken in a group setting. Without bringing said fried chicken, though, I think that's a law. So I can produce some for you if you'd like. <laughs> I'd prefer the pre-masticated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is our show. Great note to end on. Levi, Isaac, Hillary, John, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me, and thank you, listeners, for making us part of your week. If you like what you heard today, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, not you, Mike. Uh, He's just kidding. No. Uh, if you if you don't like what you heard today, uh, listen to something else. Any recommendations, anybody? Um. Uh, wait two weeks and then listen. Yeah. Because I'll be gone. If you have a suggestion, <laughs> if you have a suggestion for something we should talk about or seek our collective wisdom on uh, things that you might seek collective wisdom on, send it to theshortcodes at gmail.com and leave us a message at three four seven short tt. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and the Writing Humanities Program. Our executive producer is some idiot. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Argo Fox. Talk to you in one week. Bye.